0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Pacers fans? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we talk about your Indiana Pacers five days a week. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East, with the West Indianapolis Community News, and over at 8.9 Seconds. Today, it's here. It's the final regular season game. It's very sad that the regular season is over. Uh, Pacers in Atlanta to take on the Hawks. We're going to talk about that last game preview of the year. Uh, Last game recap tomorrow. Crazy stuff how fast it's gone by. I remember they played the Hawks twice uh, in about a week earlier in the year, right around the Aaron Holiday game, which was fun, but I got so tired of talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, But we're back today because they're actually more fun now, so we'll do that. Um, and then I just uh, recorded a short little bit for Locked On NBA with John Corrales about the Celtics. Um, it's, it's a short one that we had to do where where um, e- each host for each Locked On show will, will talk about a little short blur previewing their series. Me and John did Pacers-Celtics. That'll be the second segment here. Uh, and then at the end, we do a podcast uh, re- reviewing the season for every player here for Locked On Pacers. Uh, so there'll be full episodes for each player. But I want to do a short little bit on Miles Turner's season because uh, he's probably the most polarizing player on the roster, uh, and his season I think deserves talking about it a little bit. So that'll be a fun way to end the show. Let's hop right into the Hawks though. After that very long introduction, uh, the Hawks. So, the, so I I want to reference you something about the Hawks. The Hawks are twenty nine and fifty two. It's not a good record. If they win, they'll win thirty games. Okay. The Hawks. Think of think how good you think the Hawks are. I thought the Pacers last year. Right after the Paul George trade, we're going to win 30 games, okay? I thought the Pacers were going to be as good as the Hawks are right now. So that is how, that is what people uh, thought of, the th- this Hawks team that you probably think stinks, I think they stink besides Trae Young, that is what people thought of the Pacers at that time, uh, <laughs> which is just crazy to think about. Uh, but the Hawks themselves are are good. Like, there is not, there's no push to shove or anything like that now, like, the Hawks are going to be good in the future. They're okay right now. Like their record is terrible, but they had like a twelve-game losing streak at one point um, in like November. It's, it was a disaster since the All-Star break. They have like ten wins and, and some odd. I should just look this up, but um, pretty much they've been uh, they've been good since the All-Star break. Now that Trey Young's put it all together and this team looks good, yeah. So post All-Star break, they're ten and thirteen. So that's a, that's a fine team. That's a better record than the Pacers have since the All-Star break. Uh, if they didn't have such a horrible start to the season um, in the first two months of the year, so from like first two months, like October and November. Um, in October they went two and five, and in November they went three and thirteen. So that's five and eighteen right there. Um, if you take away that five and eighteen, you're looking at at a t- at a twenty four and thirty four team, which is fine. Like that's that's like the Wizards basically, which you think way more highly of the Wizards than the Hawks. All that to say, the Hawks don't stink. The Hawks are like an okay basketball team. So this game will not just be a joke. Um, and a lot of that, and by a lot I mean almost all of that, is on the hands of Trey Young, who is very good. Uh, he has really put together some kind of uh, of year since, well, he's really salvaged his stats for the year, but he's really put together some kind of stretch since the All-Star break. So let's just uh, read some numbers really quick. Since the All-Star break, 22 games for Trey Young. He is shooting... 45% from the field, 36% from deep, 88% from the free throw line, on 25 points and nine rebounds per game. That's a rookie. That is just insanity. How good that is. Um, 200 assists in 22 games, just is bonkers. This dude can pick apart some defenses. Uh, this this guy can can navigate, read a screen, read an offense. Like he's gonna be special one day. Now right now he's still a atrociously horrible defender. Um, The whole Hawks team is really not great on D because at the the point of attack, they have nothing. They're 26th in defense, 23rd in offense. They're first in pace, though, so they're going to fly around with trade and look for early shots in the clock. Um, But they can can get some good looks now that they have him doing good stuff. They don't have the best guys to surround him, um, so it's not a perfect roster. But he himself is good enough to carry them to success. I've always said on this show... I think a good point guard is the most important position to being a good team. Look at that, Trey Young starts being good. The Hawks start being nearly a 500 team. So, uh, the injury report: no, probably no uh, Alex Poitras, and then no Miles Plumlee, Dwayne Dedmon, or Omari Spellman for the Hawks. If you did not notice. Um the the three players I just named, the last three at least are all centers. So the Hawks have Alex Len and Deonta Davis pretty much playing all their center minutes now. They just signed Deonta Davis to a rest of the season contract. Alex Len just dropped thirty-seven against the Bucks, so no pushover, but their center position is weak. Could be a good game um for the Pacers centers to get back on track if they do play Turner. However, that is the the flip side here. I can talk about the Hawks. I want what they're good at. You know, Kevin Herter's a special little young guy for them too. John Collins is good. The, the, Torian Prince, Vince Carter, like, oh, you're just a bunch of okay wings. Camp Bazemore, another okay wing, he's fine. Uh, but it, it, the Hawks might try because it doesn't matter if they win or lost in terms of their um, lottery odds. So they can go for 30 wins and spin that as a very successful season. Uh, but the Hawks might try, and the Pacers might not. So on the flip side, for your beloved Indiana Pacers, I'm almost positive we're going to see some rest. So uh, right now it's it's six o'clock on this lovely um, Tuesday, and the Celtics are about to play their last game of the year. The, the Pacers playoff opponent. Let me uh, let me read you the the Celtics injury report for this game. Man, the Celtics tweet a lot. Why do the Celtics tweet so much? That makes it impossible to find. Okay. Aaron Baines not playing, Gordon Hayward not playing, Al Horford not playing, Kyrie Irving not playing, Marcus Morris not playing, Mark Smart not playing, uh, Jason Tatum not pl- playing, Daniel Tice questionable. Uh, so that's pretty much their whole rotation. Jalen Brown will will play. He didn't play in their last game, so they'll try to get him some rhythm. Um, but basically, they're not playing anybody. They're going to say, you know what, screw it, doesn't matter. We're going to be forcing no matter what. I think the Pacers should take a similar route, and and pretty much they should play the last, the lowest. Nine guys um, on the roster and see what they can do. I mean, I think it'll. It doesn't hurt anything. Like, no, nothing is hurt by not. You know, you don't, like. It's not a rhythm thing. Even played since Sunday anyway. So I think um, you look at the big minutes, guys, and you you, you sick. Maybe you play Collison because he's out of rhythm. So one of Collison or Joseph plays. Um, absolutely, sit Wesley Matthews to me. I think. The starting, you know, Sumner should play, Holiday should play, and one of the point guards should play. There's your three guards. Maybe Tyreek's and T didn't play in the last game. So there's four guards. Uh, But, like, Devon Reed should play. Alizé Johnson should play. Maybe Doug McDermott, because need a wing, should play. TJ Leaf should play a ton. TJ Leaf should play 30-plus minutes in this game. So they have to play someone, and I don't think you can play Turner after that ankle injury. So maybe give Sabonis like 10, 15 minutes. But Kylo Quinn should also just play an absolute ton of minutes in this game. Uh, the rotation should be completely out of whack. We're gonna, I'm gonna be clipping the the craziest plays of these young kids just doing crazy stuff. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure the Pacers will also announce an injury report of some kind before this comes out. I'm gonna look like an idiot for guessing this, but uh, I just I don't I don't see any value for this team at all. Uh, playing anything other than just bench guys. Pure bench guys. Maybe the tiniest bit of rhythm. Uh you could you could get out of you know playing Tyreek or something like that again, but other than that, I think you got to sit everybody. Did they tweet an injury report today? I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't. Um they're all about the Miles Turner for defensive player of the year stuff. So, yeah, I don't think like like no way Bojan plays. Absolutely no way. He's played 2500 minutes in 81 games. Same with Thad Young, just no way. The team doesn't have a lot of forward depth, which is why TJ Leaf is guaranteed to start this game. But um, it's got to be a rest game, and because of that, it doesn't matter how much I talk about the Hawks. The Hawks are going to be probably have a better roster in this game. So this game's mostly just going to be fun. Watch some young guys do some fun ball stuff, uh, and get ready for the playoffs. So speaking of the playoffs, let's take a quick break, uh, and then you can hear me and John. Corrales over of Lockdown Celtics do a little short bit about the playoffs because who can never have you can never have enough playoff preview stuff so stick around for a little playoff talk all right in your eastern conference four versus five matchup the Boston Celtics will be hosting the Indiana Pacers uh two teams that come to the end of the season on very different trajectories uh I'm Tony East the host of Lockdown Pacers here on the other line with me is uh John Corrales there we go with Lockdown Celtics John how are you man I'm doing okay. I, I said Calaris when I when I said it the first time, and I had to make sure I got it right that time. Um, yeah. So as I say, <laughs> the, this, the the Celtics surging right now, actually. They did just lose to the Magic. But before that, I went four in a row, five in a row. Um, Pacers completely floundering. Celtics have beaten the doors off of them twice in the last two – not the first time, but they've beaten them handily twice in the last two weeks. Uh, things don't look as good for Indiana in the series, uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the star power of your Celtics, John.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to see in the playoffs here, increased minutes for Kyrie Irving, uh, Al Horford. They've got uh, Jason Tatum starting to figure things out. Jalen Brown playing amazing off the bench. And Gordon Gordon Hayward is playing much closer to his former self. And to have those, those two guys, Brown and Hayward, coming off the bench allowing the Celtics to kind of limit the minutes of Rozier and Marcus Morris that's going to that's going to be tough for i think any team in the playoffs that they if they're playing the right way without the guys that have been causing a lot of the on-court issues the the are going to be very tough
0: yeah and uh, you know the last time they, these two teams played you know the Pacers death's supposed to be there their big advantage Gordon Hayward comes in off the bench goes 9 for 9 with 21 points I saw uh, he was the, the most recent Celtics since the 1980s to score over 20 points without missing a shot. Hayward getting back to cl- much closer to Utah Hayward really helps the Celtics bench. He might even end up starting in the series should they want to go that way. Uh, I'll lob that to you if you want to talk about it. But it uh, really hurts the Pacers' depth advantage knowing that the Celtics have him back to that level.
1: Yeah, it, it's just Brad Stevens, I think, he, he's taken a lot of heat for how he's used his rotations this, this year. Uh, I think he had a plan and he tried desperately to, to have that plan work and it didn't work. And then by the time it was figured out that that wasn't going to work, the top two seeds were pretty much starting to run away with things and player health and uh, just minutes management was the the priority. And now moving into the playoffs, everything goes out the window. Whoever helps the team win is going to be the, the guy who plays. If it means starting Gordon, Gordon Hayward. Sure. If it means, bringing him off the bench whatever and and I know Hayward doesn't doesn't care um, and I think for Boston to beat the Pacers the one advantage that you guys have really had is the offensive rebounding and the 50-50 balls and if, if Boston still gets lazy and doesn't block out and if they don't handle their pick and roll defense very very well uh, we're going to see more of the Indiana Bigs, keeping these games close, and when they stay close in, in the playoffs, you never know what's going to
0: happen. Yeah, you just named every skill DeMontis the Sabonis Indi- possesses. Uh, he's done a fan- yeah. yeah. He's been fantastic against the Celtics this year. Um, as, as much as I love Al Horford, his, his struggles are pretty much the things that Sabonis excels at. So there's a bit of yin and yang when they're on the floor at the same time. Sabonis can screen anyone to death. He's one of the best screeners in the NBA. He's a great offensive rebounder, he's incredibly efficient. Uh, all that together makes him literally the perfect backup center. Uh, and the Celtics, e- they've either had Baines in there playing bigger minutes since they started against the Pacers the last two times they've played, or they don't have a center at all on the court. And either way, uh, Sabonis has no trouble scoring. He's been easily, the far and away, the most effective Pacer against them so far. Uh, he's probably my X factor because one of the centers is going to have to be so good that the, that the Celtics feel like they can't just go... Crazy small with Horford and the and the four smalls because the, the more Baines is out there, I feel like the better chance the Pacers have, and that that's a that's on Sabonis and Turner there.
1: Yeah, that that's going to be the biggest weakness. Uh, I think it, it's on weirdly the Celtics guards to help in that regard because when Sabonis is throwing you know his screens out there and and Al Horford has to go and drop and prevent the penetration that that screen. Sets the Boston guards, and I'm looking at uh, Kyrie Irving especially, haven't done a great job helping the big and tagging that guy. No one's been tagging that guy rolling down the middle. So what happens is the the ball handler just draws the defense, drops it off, and the bigs have been getting. And it's not just Indiana; but it happened against Orlando. Bigs have been getting free runs at the rim, alley oops like crazy. So that's, if the Celtics can't handle that, then this is going to be a difficult series. If they can, the Celtics can make this a quick series.
0: Another thing the Celtics can do to make this quick, and this something they did the very last time these teams played, is limit Bojan Bogdanovic, who's been the Pacers' biggest threat as a scorer since Victor Oladipo's injury averaging over 20 points a game. You wouldn't have known it watching them play because... You know, in the first half, I think he only got three shots up, only hitting one. They did a fantastic job, not only limiting him making shots, but also him taking shots, which is just as big of a deal to me. He finished one for eight in that game. Uh, because you guys have so many like-sized guys, uh, I think that helps you switching, which for him is a struggle, because he's gotten a much better and more find off the dribble game this year, but he's, he's not quick enough to just blow by anybody, so having... Uh, a guy equal size on him makes it harder for him to get space to shoot and and get good shots in particular. So uh, I look at that as a big advantage for Boston. Really, the only area I can see the Pacers succeeding really well is the centers that we already talked about because with Kyrie and and all the successful and and like-sized forwards Boston has, unless Boyan can find a way to get shots, it's going to be hard for them to find advantages in that area.
1: Yeah, and that's where losing Oladipo really hurts because he's such a good player uh Bogdanovich is a, such a good player and when then when the Celtics find a way to limit him there's just no one else that can really take over a lot of guys can do damage but no one has that takeover ability and obviously if you have Oladipo who's an all-star you've got a guy that can handle so much the defensive uh, attention that Bogdanovich can just go off and be a great secondary uh, star but without Oladipo if the Celtics just key on him then who scores? Who who gets yep. those three, four baskets in a row that really put put teams in a bind? That I think that's really where we're losing a little hurts.
0: Yep, the Pacers have been looking for that guy all year. Tyreek Evans was supposed to be that guy. His season has been uh terrible. And the last two times these two teams the last two times these two teams have played, uh, they just ice every Tyreek Evans pick and roll to the extent where Gordon Hayward is basically guarding the sideline on a lot of clips of them defending his pick and rolls to force him to go left. He can't do anything going left. It's it's really easy to defend. The Celtics have done a great job, and uh, if Reek can't put pressure on the rim, then no one's going to be able to. And the Pacers are just going to have to hope that Sabonis can go like 15 for 15 from the field. So it's going to be a huge <laughs> uphill battle. It's going to be a huge uphill battle for them, and I think it's going
1: to be uh, maybe not a sweep, but a shorter series. I I have to agree. I think the Celtics, if if they tighten things up. They can get
0: this over with in five yeah i think uh five or six is the sweet number i know it's it's hard to pick six uh because then they have to win in banker's life but um it's always going to be a, a scrap and claw with these two teams so uh i think getting to seven will be will be challenging for the pacers but we'll have to see because i did not think they'd get to seven last year and they did it so who knows so sorry the audio there quality wise for me wasn't great for some reason skype does not like my mic in the same way that other programs that I've been using do which is super annoying Uh, but I'll get that figured out but yeah I hope that was a fun conversation I have uh lessened my optimism although Marcus Smart's injury has heightened it a bit um but yeah it should be a good series tell me I'm an idiot uh on Twitter please but I think that maybe maybe I'm a little more bullish than I just came on but I don't know I think it's more likely that it's uh less than six games than more than six games anyway uh let's talk Miles Turner and then I'll get you out of here so stick around let's talk Turner So, with Miles, we do this every year where we think he has another level offensively. And we, you know, media, fans, analysts, whoever you are, whatever bucket you fall into, we put this expectation on him to become a more well-rounded offensive player. And and that's fine. You're allowed to set expectations on players. You're a fan of the team. That's what you do. But then if he doesn't meet them, you blame it on him instead of yourself. And there's there's some level on both, like... Him plateauing from year two to three, yeah, maybe put a little on him there. But he got better this year, and it's kind of on you to not raise your expectations too high of knowing what this guy can do. So, what we did this summer is we saw him lifting and doing all this yoga, thinking he was going to become this awesome offensive guy. What he really did is get his defense looking good, his rebounding was better, his shooting was a lot better. He just refined all the things he was good at and made himself better at all of them, and I, I give him a lot of credit for that. That is not what a lot of guys do. Sometimes guys go into the off season try to fix their weaknesses. Turner said, "Screw that, I'm gonna go become better at everything." So he's going to finish the season, assuming he does not play, um, in this Hawks game, which he could, and then screw up all my fun here. But 74 games is. Basically, 90% of the season. That's a lot for him, considering how often he gets banged up. That'll be his second most ever games. He's going to have a career high in points per 36 minutes. He's going to have a career high in rebounds per 36 minutes. He's going to have a career high in assists. 36 minutes. He's going to have a career high in steals for 36 minutes. He's going to have a career high in blocks for 36 minutes. He's going to have his second lowest season in turnovers per 36 minutes. And he got his fouls down to the lowest point he ever has per 36 minutes, while also shooting the best from three he has in his career and having, while shooting more threes also, which is a big deal because his his overall field goal percentage is lower, but it's crucial Crucial, crucial to note that it was his second best two-point percentage season and absolute best three-point percentage season, meaning it was his second most efficient season of his career. Turner got better. He didn't blow you out of the water getting better. He was not this, this second fiddle star that for some reason we keep saying he might be able to be. Because I don't think he can reach that point. I think he is one of the best. Role player has the wrong connotation because it sounds like just like a guy who cuts and throws passes. Um, but he is a very, very, very solid starter on a very good team. And that is a valuable player. He is one of the, 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 the three best probably defensive centers. Actually, no. Definitely one of the three best defensive centers in the NBA. There's a reason he's going to finish first in blocks. Almost certainly. Uh, I am annoyed he's not playing in the Hawks game because that's 199 blocks. He won't get to 200, um, but that doesn't matter at all. Uh, he, you know, he, that that's just great news to me that he's going to lead the league in blocks and block percentage. Probably won't make all defense because people love him beat and Gobert's been better. But you know, I think he's been better than any other season this year, and I think there, there that there's a lot to that. There's a lot to what he did this summer. He justified getting paid. I think his salary is about what he's worth now rookie extensions should not be what exactly we're worth uh that's not how you're supposed to do this as a team but that's not it's not a problem his contract is fine um that's a different discussion he himself was better this season and i, I think that's good uh i think we know what you can expect from this guy now he's always going to be a solid floor spacer he's going to protect the paint um he, he's putting together some off the dribble stuff he, he's cutting down his mistakes uh, if he could finish a little bit better around the basket, I think we'd be having an even better discussion about his season, although I will say he was basically his second best season finishing around the basket, besides his second season when he had uh, Paul George taking all that attention away. And he did good without Oladipo, which says a lot about his improvements too, because you know that's hard to, to still be good uh, when you have to change your game completely without the star. So, turned it a lot of good stuff, and I, I don't, I like, Sabonis has been so, so good, and it's just it's hard like Sabonis does more obviously good things so he gets a lot of praise he deserves it he's probably even better this year but I think we have to talk more about Turner and what he's done and how he's improved his game by refining his assets instead of looking at the things he's not good at and 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 gaining those skills. So, full credit to him. Uh, Good year. I'm looking forward to see what he can improve upon next year uh, and making sure we have the correct expectations. So, looking forward to that. Wanted to talk about Turner. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys enjoy the final game tonight. Of course, we'll be recapping tomorrow. Actually, we might be recapping Friday because it's going to be a mailbag tomorrow. So, uh, send me some questions on Twitter, please. I want to have stuff to talk about. It'll be fun. I'll answer pretty much anything you want me to say. So, throw all the questions out thank you guys so much for tuning in and have a great rest of your day